Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Art Talk with Addie. And today we have something a little more fun. We're going to be talking about art and sustainability. And no, we're not going to be diving in to save the turtles and I'm not going to be telling you to stop using straws. We're actually just going to talk about the exhibitions that have been put on recently that feature um, sustainable practices or their subject matter is about sustainability. So, I first want to talk about one that's here in North Carolina. As you know, I'm a senior at Appalachian State University. Um, I'm majoring in art management and minoring in nonprofit management. Um, and for one of my classes, I actually was able to meet um, the curator for this exhibition. Um, so, the one I'm gonna be talking about um, was called Sacred Wasteland. Um, it's selected works by the MFA class of 2019, and it was from April 19th to the 26th of May um, 2019 this year. And uh, it was presented by nine studio artists of 2019. Um, they were the graduating class, they're graduating with a Master of Fine Arts, um, and they're just wanting to blend non-traditional approaches as well as repurposing materials trying to be as sustainable as they can in the actual uh, you know, curation aspect as well as the creation aspect so all of the candidates um, were compiled realities um, of what they think the world is as of right now original contexts um, and in many cases, the artists were actually, you know, directly intertwined with material choices um, to fit their aesthetic. So, for example, um, William Paul Thomas um, was the curator, um, and Thomas was a 2013 alum of the MFA program. Um, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting him um, here at Appalachian State because he has an exhibition called Acting Hard with Antoine. And my class led by Jenny Carlisle, who is also the curator of the Smith Gallery, introduced our class and we were able to see where his head was at and what approach he was taking in this current exhibition. Um, and he was talking about materials and sustainability and the art world. And for those who have not seen his work, many of his pieces are actually not painted on canvas. He paints on paper, scans them, and prints them on these large fluffy blankets. Ones that you could get from Walmart. If you go to the printing center at Walmart, that's where he goes. And he was talking about, you know, just waste when it comes to art. He says, okay, if I'm going to be an artist for the rest of my life and I just collect all of these pieces, what am I going to do with them? I could gift them out, I could try and sell them, but then they need to have another purpose. And then he realized he could fold up the blankets, he could store the blankets, he could gift the blankets. If someone was in need, he could give them a blanket. And to make it even more special, he actually told us um, a story of a homeless man um, near Chapel Hill where he was from 
and where he went to school and how he used him as a subject. He painted him and as a gift for him giving his time, he then gave him a blanket with his own face on it. Um, but anyways, enough on him. I thought that was really cool just to know that I was able to meet him and he is also this wonderful man who uh, curated um, this exhibition here in North Carolina called Sacred Wasteland. Um, if you look at, you know, the image associated with Sacred Wasteland, it's actually quite incredible. It's, it's eye-opening. You see what looks to be, um, a statue of a person eroded with these, you know, ocean-like water life, um, such as starfish, shells, all of these things stuck to this person. And then it makes you think about the ocean erosion, life in the ocean, and it just makes us question you know, human tendency to destroy natural places from our own selfish greed. And to give more context of the piece I'm referring to, um, and to give more context of the piece I'm speaking on, it was actually made by a woman named Sarah, Sarah Elizabeth Cornejo. Um, born in 1993, she made this piece in 2019 called Earth, and it was made up of all these different elements such as sawdust, steel, wood glue, coral, alligator garfish scales, oyster shells, rock, and cement. And again, it was this human-like figure that showed erosion, it was dark and dirty and had all of these you know, ocean-like elements incorporated to it. Um, but one thing that's very striking is if you look closer, this figure has eyes, you know, just kind of staring into your soul. And it really makes us question, you know, as humans, we are able, you know, to not only ask for help verbally, you know, but we can communicate with our eyes, with our hands. But sadly, you know, animals in the ocean and our, you know, coral reefs and all of the things associated with the ocean that are being damaged um, as a result of, you know, just human greed and just unsustainable practices, you know, they are unable to ask for help. They are unable to speak. There are, you know, animals and wildlife that is hurting just out of pure neglect and that is why I actually want to highlight some of these other exhibitions I think they do a really great job when showing and evoking emotion related to sustainability and why it's important you know there's people all day long who can complain and talk to you face to face about save the turtles and don't use straws and reduce waste, but nothing quite speaks like art. So here's one exhibition. It's called Ethics, Excess, and Extinction. 
It's an exhibition exploring the reality of endangered species and humanity's responsibility to protect them. So I think that's something, you know, as humans we tend to forget is that we have a moral obligation to protect those things that cannot protect themselves. So we find ourselves having this strong moral status, you know, via others are denying it. It's just another animal. It's just another, you know, species. But what people don't think about is that what will the world be like without them? What harm will it not only cause our environment, you know, but long-lasting issues? Like, how will it affect the generations after us? And I guess through, you know, this very dramatic, you know, animal liberation actions and tactics, the, the artists are trying to focus on significant social and environmental issues to help others understand why we should use our ability and power to spare animals through the excruciating pain of going extinct and making better choices about the food we eat, the things we buy, and the activities we support. And it's very compelling. If you look at this exhibition I'm talking about, you actually see this really lovely photograph. Um, and it's clearly edited, but it shows this man holding huge tusks that are taller than him to his side, creating this arch-like doorway feel. And then the image is repeated to just show as if it's going on forever and it's in black and white. And what's really striking is it does, you know, kind of impact the viewer to think, oh, well, I thought it was just not that big of a deal. I thought it was this person or that person who was doing it. But it all adds up. You know? If we allow one person to do it, more people will do it. And if we say it's not that big of an issue because only a few people are doing it, when is it enough? You know? Eventually, that breed will just get smaller and smaller and smaller Till if a few people do it, they'll, they'll go extinct, you know? And so, another really cool exhibition, and to give more detail, sorry, the exhibition was in El Paso Museum of Art in El Paso, Texas, and that was in January through May of 2018. Um, and the artists participating in that were Nick Brandt, Antonio Brisigno, uh, Rohan Chabra, Ryder Cooley, Billy Lynn Grace, Gail Hart, Andrea Hasler, Chris Jordan, Khan and Sealsnick, Karen Noor, Kiki Smith, Carolina Sobeka, and Esther Trogo. And the curator was Randy Jane Rosenberg. Alright, and then... For the second one, we have the True Stories Project gives voice both to at-risk 
for and those already victims of sexual abuse. The next exhibition I'm going to bring up is definitely one of my favorites from this grouping. It's called Survival Architecture and the Art of Resilience. It's an exhibition exploring adaptable and sustainable housing in the age of climate change. And this one is at Appleton Museum of Art in Ocala, Florida. Um, and it was from September 10th to November 13th in 2016. And then it was also a traveling exhibition and is recently um, at the University of Oregon Museum of Culture and Natural, Natural History um, by in Eugene, Oregon from November 30th, 2018 to August 25th of 2019. And then coming this year, it will be in Museum of Craft and Design in San Francisco, California, starting December 18th, 2019, all the way through May 3rd, 2020. And there are a plethora of architects and artists, and the, but the curator is also, um, you know, Randy Jane Rosenberg. Um, but the main aspects of it is that it's circular, portable, visionary, and resilient. So the circular, it's the importance of creating structures made of materials that can be used and reused indefinitely. The portable aspect is the ability to create an easily movable and nomadic dwellings. And then the visionary element is forward thinking ideas that can radically change the way we think about shelter. And the resiliency factor is structures that can adapt to adverse and dynamic circumstances. There's a lot of artistic playfulness and innovation for these architectural pieces. I mean, I think my favorite one would be section three, uh, Visionary. It's almost like this igloo-esque structure. It's white and it has these sharp quills sticking out. Um, it just looks very odd. It almost looks as if you were to stick these mar marshmallow-like puffs around this, you know, dome, and you were to take metal-like quills and stick it on top. And if you look very close, you can actually see that it looks to be made up of galloned water bottles and jugs and recycled plastic. It was called Cricket Shelter. It's a modular edible insect farm. It's by Mitchell Joe Chim and Terry Form One. Um, it was created in 2016. Um, yes, out of plastic containers. Um, and it looks it can, like it can not only be a home or a shelter for a human, but as it said, um, insects. It says, the continuous impact of climate change 
armed conflicts, urbanization, and economic upheavals present an urgent need to deliver solutions for both food and shelter. Crooked Shelter is a dual-purpose home and modular insect farm bounded into one structure. It is intended to address food scarcity as more people need to access cheap and reliable sources of protein. Harvesting insects for food typically takes 300 times less water than conventional livestock for the same amount of protein. The United Nations has mandated insect-sourced protein as a major component to addressing global food needs. More than 2 billion people already eat insects every day, suggesting that it is time to reintroduce them into the diets of a growing and hungry world. And like I said, if you want to explore more on these pieces, please check out um, artworksforchange.org. There are amazing exhibitions and more than I'll be going over today. Um, and again, the one I'm talking on today is Section 3, Visionary of Survival Architecture and the Art of Resilience. And if we go back and we look, there's other sections such as Section 1, Circular, um, Section 2, Portable, and Section 4, Resilient. Section 4, Resilient um, is also another really great section of this exhibition. It really talks about the ability to recover quickly from shocks and other adverse conditions um, and how it applies to people. And it shows a series of photographs um, of people in front of their homes that have been des destroyed as a result of, you know, natural reasons such as hurricanes, floods, whatever the case may be. And one that is, you know, very heartbreaking is the Nepal earthquake. Um, it's photographed by Thomas L. Kelly in 2015, um, and he lived in Nepal for three decades, and he lived through the 7.8 magnitude earthquake um, that rocked the country in 2015. And so he began documenting rural areas, um, both on the ground and from the air, to just show the devastation and just to be a testimony of these tragedies and how it relates to climate change. And he's also going to be photographing these same people in the same buildings, you know, as they are rebuilt. Um, at least he hopes to. Moving on, the next exhibition that I would like to discuss is Footing the Bill, Art and Our Ecological Footprint. Um, it addresses the urgent need to live sustainably within the Earth's finite resources. So, this exhibition was in 2019 and it launched on Earth Day. So it's an exhibition um, basically talking about human population and consumption as we grow and how the demands upon the forests and pastures and croplands are, you know, giving much, much more 
highly demanded and that we're using all of these resources in such a exponentially growing rate. Um, and so the Art Works for Change uh, partnered with Earth Day Networks to set this up and it's an online and ongoing exhibition. So that's something that is unique about this is this is an online exhibition that's going to be going on um, and that is the world we live in. You know, I was actually just doing a reading for class and it was called, you know, Art in the Age of the Internet from 1989 to present and just showing how the art world has changed since the invention of the web. And I think this is one really great way it has changed is that we have an even larger platform, you know, to create art, create art, create art that could, you know, create a very meaningful impact and change. Um, so it launched on August 13th of 2015, um, and it's going to be going on to address the urgent need to live sustainably within the Earth's finite resources. It features a curated exhibition of artists who have worked um, to challenge, to ref make us reflect on our ecological footprints. Um, and there's virtual tours um, led by environmental organizations. And the exhibition is updated annually every Earth Day and features new content from partner organizations. Um, so some of their partnering organizations are Art Works for Change, which I've mentioned, Earth Day Network, Global Footprint Network, the Natural Resources Defense Council, the World, Wa World Wildlife Fund, and Oceana. Um, and then there are several press releases you can go on and read about this exhibition. But the pieces here are just incredibly amazing. I mean, there's pieces made out of honeycombs, talking about saving the bees. There's beautiful watercolor portraits of, you know, rainforest animals. There's pictures of really packed tight cities and just this growing sense of urbanization and destroying wildlife. I mean, it's incredible. They even incorporate sand to talk about, you know, the littering of beaches and the oceans. They even have photographs of, you know, burnt trees from forest fires. It just ranges every single year and it gets better and better and better. And I hope this is something that they keep up for a very long time because um, I think it can do a lot of good. And then one other exhibition I really want to talk about um, is definitely Water Equals Life, a contemporary art exhibition. So to most, this actually might pull at your heartstrings, make you a little sad, because the first thing you see um, is just this art piece of a fetus. Um, and it's an exhibition exploring the linkage, the linkage between water and poverty. Um, so, how can artists contribute to ensuring that water is accessible to all today and forever? So, the artists 
use this image of a baby to, you know, provoke you emotionally, to make you think about life, life in all walks of life and the need for water, the need for survival, and how many of us, you know, view all life as very precious. This is not to be political, but yet when it comes to water, we view that as an issue that can wait for later, but it isn't. Water and life have always been tied together and if we want life to continue, we need to help, you know, make water more clean and accessible to all. So they leverage these images and stories um, and help this relation of poverty, help food and energy in this playful and provocative way to make it this more compelling water-related artwork um, and narrative. Um, one to really know is Serhei Bello's large-scale water mosaic, um, and then Swin uh, Paulson's animation of bending water. So those were two very key pieces of this exhibition, and it was from August 31st to September 5th of 2014, um, and then it went on to an international tour. Um, the Stockholm event will be attended by over 2,700 water experts, corporate sustainability executives from around the world. So I think this is already just showing the power of art and how much it can impact change that this exhibition is not only being viewed by the common people, it is being viewed by corporations and executives. You know, they are wanting to learn. They are wanting to know what to do better. So that is just another example of, you know, how art can help um, in this push for sustainability. It pulls up the heartstrings of all. And they really did a great job in incorporating and just showing how water is not a privilege. It's a necessity. I want to thank you all for taking time to listen to this podcast. Hopefully you have all found something or found an exhibition that you found interesting and can go look it up later. Um, let me know if there are any other exhibitions that you have seen or you have heard of that relate to sustainability. Comment down below. Let me know what you think. Um, and again, thank you to all of the curators mentioned and thank you to all of the artists who spent their time you know trying to get this message of sustainability across um, i'm sorry if this podcast came off as preachy i did not mean it that way at all i hope you all can have a lovely day and till next time